Hey, 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 this is The Rest. I'm Joel Kovacs. The rest of my thoughts, uh, this is the rest of our church, and hopefully, with a little bit of grace, some rest for our souls. Disclaimer, this is not a sermon. This is not a sermon. These are my thoughts and interests, and these are your thoughts and interests. The rest is a time for open and safe opinions, dialogues. I'm I'm really... um, uh, hopeful that who you're going to hear from today as my special guest is going to be so um, uh, uplifting to you and and um, helpful to you. And uh, we are doing a four-week series here with the podcast on leadership. And so today I do have an opening rant and I have my footnotes, but I'm actually going to conflate those, put those together. And the whole time I'm going to have my special guest, Mr. David Holliday, Who's sitting here with me now? How are you doing, yeah, sir? Doing great. David's here, um, and he is here to to discuss leadership with us. And I'm going to let you uh, let you hear from him a little bit later, um, uh, his background and where he's coming from, and then he's going to download on us about leadership, which I can't wait for you guys to hear. Um, David, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. David, um, you're from what? What state are you from originally? Originally Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can hear it. Just keep talking. We can yeah, hear it. There's a little bit there. There's it, a little bit. It comes bit. out whenever uh, That's right. I, I get a little uh, loose. You get a little loose. <laughs> and you you spent a couple, how long were you in Nashville? I spent uh, six years in Nashville. Six years. Mm-hmm. What's it like down there? Do they talk, I, I mean, is it Southern accents you know, down it, there or is it mixed? It, Nashville's like kind of like Columbus, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little more Southern. A little, a little more, more Southern. Uh you know, when we moved down to Nashville, we were we were wondering what it was going to be like because uh, it's a little further south than where we were in Kentucky. I kind of considered us on the border uh, when yeah. we were in Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, we moved south to, to Nashville, and you hear about everybody the old "bless your heart." You know, bless and, your heart. And, what, what, and what's the translation? Uh, you know, my fear was that the translation was a, a stab in the back. Yeah, after right. It was yeah. done. But yes. when we got down there, we actually fit, realized people were really nice, genuinely. Some nice some actually mean that. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely it is. It is for some people. It's code for you're an idiot, right? <laughs> sure, right? <laughs> Bless your heart, you stupid fool, or whatever. I don't know. That's what I heard. Someone you just kind of throw it in all the time when you run into someone who doesn't. You you don't know what to say, so bless yeah, your heart, yeah. which means let's. I'm moving on. Well, bless your heart, Joel. You got it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, I feel blessed. Um, so David, it, uh, it comes from the corporate world, uh, tons of influence and experience in the corporate world. And you're going to hear a lot about that, but I'm going to dive in with David on uh, the opening rant. And like I said, again, with my footnotes. And so the opening rant is usually just kind of something that's stirring about, and I want to talk about it. And then the footnotes is that stuff that's left over from the message, because in, anytime you do a message, it, it, there's more that you leave out than you put in. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many extra pieces. And I'm actually going to put these two together in a collab, uh, a collaboration today. We're going to put them together. I don't know if you know this, David, but collaboration in the music world is very, very popular right now. Hmm. People collab. That's right. You know, so you get, you know, Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran together doing the thing, showing up in the studio. So we're going to collab today, but we're just going to put it all in uh, what we call the opening rant. So here it goes. So this is my opening ramp rant, and and we're going to talk for a couple of minutes um, uh, about the series that I'm doing called "Leaving Scarcity," uh, 
which uh, the whole idea behind leaving scarcity is that uh, I, I heard and read someone talk about this idea of basically having money be your God, mm. uh, be kind of create a culture or a community of scarcity, right? Where it's all about getting it and taking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what I've done is I've tried to, in this series, try to kind of give people that creative space to go, okay, uh, what would it be like if I was living in a place that was really defined by taking mm-hmm. and getting what's mine and being my own God versus going to a different city where there's a different God and that God is marked by a totally different way of living, essentially giving mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to taking. And so wrote this little screenplay thing that we had multiple different people act out and you can watch that in, in the, in the Sunday morning sermon, but the kind of the, the recap and to dive into this a little deeper is that, uh, what we find is that in Eden, this place that was built on generosity and through generosity by God, that there, a liar enters into that space and in a garden that is beautiful and has everything, there's a snake that comes in and tells Adam and Eve a lie. Mm-hmm. And even though they're surrounded and they're living in generosity, they believe in the spirit and the king of scarcity. You need to take, you should get your own thing, you should do your own deal. And um, so you see that you have a God that's marked by generosity and you have a an agent in the world that is trying to be God and getting people to do the, the like the opposite of what he did, steal from one another, mm. take from one another, live for yourself. It's just so interesting, David. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on just that generally? I mean, when you think about it, one of the things about art and, and, and you know, even about animated movies, right, is it can create this world that is so much of a caricature, so it's a little bit exaggerated, but if you step back, you, you almost go, I don't know. That, that, I think that is kind of the world that we live in. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. I mean, if, if you think even in the creative world, uh, whether it's in production or in any of these things that we're doing, starting a new company, entrepreneurship, when we get in that position of trying to protect what we have and hold on to it, and and living in this scarcity space, yeah, it just shuts the flow down. Yes, and when we have the opportunity to open up and bring others into the the process, uh, it it you can see. And we talk about trying to get in the flow in yeah. those creative spaces, mm. and I, I'm not sure people really act, uh, uh, understand the depth of that statement. Yeah, what does it mean to be in the flow? Yeah, what are you? What what rivers running through you? That's right. Right. Not. I think a lot of people think that the flow or whatever it means that I'm getting my thing together. Mm, mm, right? Right. I, I, there's so many angles on how scarcity, if you're living in that place, every single thing you do is tainted by selfishness. That's right. Every Everything you do. I, I think that it, it's one of those deals, and I'm going to talk about it this week. I don't want to get too, too much into it. But if we're serving and we're living in scarcity, we may not know it. A lot of times we don't. We wouldn't necessarily willfully say, I bow down to myself mm-hmm. and to taking things from me at, mm-hmm. at the expense of everybody else, but we might be doing it whether we know it or not. And so sometimes we need to like some type of um, uh, exaggerated uh, siren that says, this is a problem for you. Yeah. 
and this could destroy your life. And, and I, but I think it's true, right? Some, we can sometimes conflate this feeling of I'm doing great. I'm getting mine with that's the spirit of God, like moving man. But what's our disposition? How do we view our jobs as agents of, yeah. of God in the world? Yeah. You think about the people that you really like being around. Yeah, that's and, great. And those that, that give power to your life or, or help with your own creativity mm-hmm. and, and the, the process that you're going through. It's those that are free with their ideas or free with their emotions even. Sharing. And, and sharing what they have. Yeah. Last week on the podcast, I had Roy Hall. The, he's a football player, Ohio mm-hmm. State, NFL player. And his whole thing on leadership was the word assistance assistance. He's like, he, t- and you should go back and listen to it. If you're listening to this, and you didn't hear episode five. It's, it was great. And he told the story about Steph Curry, who is the number one three point shooter. Now he just, mm-hmm. he just like crossed the line and, and went to the top and how, when he, when he won, he sent every person that gave him his assists, passed him the ball, a Rolex to Fantastic. say, you know, I'm not here because it's just me. I'm here because you assisted me and that's leadership. That leadership is actually viewing that your job is to hand things to people, to set people up so that they can be successful. It, yeah. it is, it, what an amazing idea. And in sports makes it like simple. My, my kids, I mean, you talk about, I have a fifth grader who's playing basketball. Hey, like, it's not all about you scoring. Mm-hmm. It's about the team winning. And so if you assist and pass it and they score, that's a big deal. And they yeah. do actually have in, in the uh, record books, they have assists. But people think it's all about scoring mm-hmm. more than it is about assisting. Some people don't, and it doesn't always play to people. And I'm not saying scoring's bad necessarily, but man, the attitude of what is it? That's what Christ is. I'm assisting you. Yeah. Go and assist people. You know, um, I'll steal a little bit from the leadership section. Yeah, of this. that's fine. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I know we just, yeah. This is great. Uh, the, the number one thing that people are searching for most of the time in life is doing things that are bigger than themselves, yeah. having an impact, leaving a legacy. We hear it talked about in many different ways. Um, the only way that we're going to be successful at having an impact that's bigger than ourselves is by being vulnerable enough to put our idea on the table and have it improved by others. Right. That's yeah, that's and great. And so that, you know, that is the culture that, that I'm searching for when I'm building a team is a group of people that are, they're not just their, their own Michael Jordan, although that's mm-hmm. important. We want people mm-hmm. that recognize their strengths and capabilities, mm-hmm. but they're willing to put the idea on the table and have it improved by others. Yeah. And the intellectual property conversation. I want this to be mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want someone to steal my idea or best idea wins. Yeah. Best idea wins. And I'm going to put mine out there and you're going to put yours out there and we're going to create a culture of let's, let's share with one another. Yeah. As opposed to the com- competitive shadow world of what you're not really saying, but what you're up to building your own kingdom, taking mm-hmm. the credit mm-hmm. instead of giving it. And I'll tell you, man, I mean, it is a mindset. It is a place that we go to. What I love about the Genesis narrative and some of my footnotes is there's so much you can get into. Some of the stuff you have to get into in a very theological sense. But so as soon as Adam and Eve take, you know, they realize that their world is fall, falling apart and they realize that they're vulnerable. 
Like, you know, the narrative is that like they suddenly know that they're naked. Mm -hmm. So it's like before they didn't necessarily, vulnerability is about honesty, right? It's mm -hmm. about like, hey, I have weaknesses. I'm going to show you my weaknesses and I'm trusting mm -hmm. that you won't hurt me and you got my back and I got your back. So we're going to help each other. Mm -hmm. It's about community. It's about all those things. Well, they didn't have, they weren't vulnerable in the sense that they weren't physically vulnerable. They didn't know something was wrong. God told them that they would be vulnerable if they did the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what that meant. So they go and do the wrong thing. And then they realize, oh, now I'm vulnerable. Right. Whatever that means, that their chest is exposed, that they could get hurt. I, I don't know exactly what it means. Suddenly th their image changed, whatever that is. And God comes along looking for them in the cool of the day to walk with them, thinking we're going to do what we've always done. Uh, he knows that they didn't do what they're supposed to do, but he's still going to go do what they've always done. Generous. Mm -hmm. He's still giving. Let's keep walking. Like, right. I mean, right. you know how it is when your kid messes up and you're like, oh, it's hard to be in the normal space. Right. It's hard to just keep being dad and you need to be. Let's, you know, I mean, there's time for correction and he does that, but he shows up again. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big part of generosity is just continuing to show up. Another part is then they cover themselves with leaves because they know that they're vulnerable or figs or whatever it mm -hmm. says. And then he comes and what does he do? He covers them with the skins of animals. He gives them more. He fixes it right away. So that's wow. Genesis 3.15 uh, is the proto, the first proto-evangelium, the first mm -hmm. gospel. He takes their leaves and he covers them with the skins of animal, which means that's the first thing. Something, the implications, right? Something had to die. I'm sure you've heard this mm -hmm, before. Mm -hmm. Something had to die to give them skins of an animal, right? So right. something dies. So he's teaching them the way you fix this is serious. It, it consequences. It consequence, and it costs a lot. Something has to die to fix you. But guess what? Here you go. I'm going to cover you up. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. More generosity. And then I think w w another connection that I made that I just didn't have time to dive into fully, Cain and Abel who I've heard one thinker say are the first humans in the sense that they don't just like come out of the ground. Right. right. <laughs> you know, like, and then th they're born of, of a woman and of a man. So mm -hmm. like, they're like the first ones, I guess, whatever that means, maybe with the belly button, but like <laughs> real humans have belly buttons. And, uh, and so they're there. And then Abel brings his, his crops or no, his, his, uh, sacrifice to God, mm -hmm. which is he's a herdsman or a shepherd. So he mm -hmm. brings an animal. So it, it makes sense that he would bring an animal. Well, I guess uh, Cain is like a farmer mm -hmm. or whatever, and he brings vegetation or something like right. that. And God tells um, uh, Cain, that's not, a, that's not the right sacrifice, which a lot of people think that like maybe, you know, that God is saying you're not, you're not a good guy. I think it's an instructive moment where he's going, I like that you gave me these things that in your world matter, but you don't decide what matters. Mm. Mm. Sacrifice to God is a big deal, right? It has to be expensive and you make that stuff and it's expensive to you, but you need to understand that it's more maybe than you thought. So he gets it because remember what I did for your parents? I killed an animal. Mm -hmm. This is serious. You got to bring to me something that has life in it 
that gets lost for that to be enough for you to understand what it means to cover for, to atone for sin. It's a big deal. Now I did it for you and I'm going to do it. I'm doing, he did it for them. He's still going to do it, but he's teaching them about how important it is. So then Cain gets mad because he's thinking God doesn't like me. Mm. Because he got instructed. Isn't that interesting? Do you ever, you see that with oh, your kids? Yeah. Yeah, oh, you absolutely. don't like me? I'm not good enough for you? No, you, you're, you're good enough for me. He's in relationship with Cain and Abel. You're, you're still Cain. I care. I'm here. Mm-hmm. We're talking. But you got, you got to get better. Mm-hmm. You, this can't be, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's so much there, but it's more generosity in terms of he's teaching them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the sacrifice and how many times we see that over and over in the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he comes back around to it in the ultimate sacrifice with giving his only son for right. us. Exactly. And it's, uh, it, it is not of inconsequential circumstance. Right. It's serious. It's big. And you think about your life. Have you ever been a part of anything that really matters that didn't cost a lot of your time, mm. of your attention, of your your words, your energy, your money. E- you know, every single moment when you work, you're sacrificing because you're giving something up for a better future. And so to understand that the more you give, the better the future, that's the picture yeah. of Jesus on the cross. Everything's given. So we have a better future. And this, so to me, it's like, this is what, you know, this is what's happening with Genesis. No, it's really expensive. You're, you're in trouble. It takes a lot to fix it. I'll fix it for you. Mm. But you need to understand it. Mm-hmm. Because now you are going to go do that. You know, you're going to go and continue to be that picture of improving the world through sacrifice and giving of yourself and improving the world. I don't know. I just, yeah. that, that's just like... Everything about the narrative to me is generous. The God who gives, continues to give, continues to give, continues to give, and we murder each other. In a way, it's just really sad. The, the other, the, other uh, the, the bringing of this together is last week when we opened up the podcast, it was the day after that the uh ukraine was attacked mm-hmm. by the russia and uh roy and i prayed for russia and for the for ukraine and uh maybe we should do that too again yeah would you mind just praying for that right now not at all just take a minute and let's pray for that situation father we just thank you that um, these are your people uh, you've created this world this earth this this humanity in your image. And that's not just one of us, but it's all of us. And Lord, you care uh, for every one of these individuals. And Father, we just pray that uh, your hand moves mightily among the nations, uh, that you bring wisdom and understanding to this situation so that we can make the right decisions to help this group of people uh, live in your image. Mm-hmm. Lord, uh, we just thank you that uh, your hand uh, is, is, is there. You care uh, for what, what each person is going through. Yeah, and Father, thank you so much for um, 
your heart in the matter that uh, your heart is broken by the loss, your heart is broken by the the um, the tragedy that is unfolding there, and that uh, you have done all things you can to, in some way, shape, or form, bring bring about a new a new situation for all of us. I pray God that people would follow you and they would experience the goodness of the church, your church, your people, and that uh, through it. Um, uh, God, that it would be solved quickly and be brought yes. to to yes. a cease as, as soon as possible, and uh, that you and your church would show up in a very real, bold way and proclaim your you as king, ultimately, and exhibit the the gifts and the life of of being a follower of Jesus to those people through love and through charity and through um, uh, mercy and grace. God, mm-hmm. just help be the God of provision for them in this moment as well. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. On a, on a, a little bit of like a lighter note, you know, you get this, you, you start to see this picture of, you know, worlds clashing and this evil tyrannical emperor Mm -hmm. just moving in with tanks and stealing and taking. And I mean, that's what this series is about. You Mm -hmm. know, that's a, that's a city of scarcity. I mean, the, the, the Soviet Union and communism and Stalin is just all about taking and stealing from people and trying to figure out things our own way instead of seeing people as who they are. And it didn't work. And it's like, you thought, okay, didn't we get past all that? And now we're doing more. And, uh, it's really sad. And we're, I don't know why we're surprised by it, Mm. but I'm surprised by it. I, I, I don't know. I sometimes think, aren't we past all this? But we shouldn't be surprised by it. Without Christ, the, the heart of man can go to um, inexhaustible depths of evil, mm-hmm. and that's been proven. And we see with this leader, Putin, I, I read this article. Actually, my wife shared this with me yesterday. She said, did you see that article about, I think, Robert Kraft, the, the owner oh, yeah. of the New England Patriots? So there's a story. You can go and just Google this. Um, NFL.com has an article, and it's a, it's actually kind of funny, and then it's actually like it's, it's disturbing. Disturbing. But basically the story is is that I, after the third Super Bowl that the Patriots won, Robert Kraft had his ring. I think his name is Robert Kraft. I'm hoping that his name is <laughs> – I think it's Robert Kraft. He, he, uh, he had a Super Bowl ring, and he was meeting – he met Putin, and uh, he – Putin asked to see the ring and he put his ring on and was like, Oh, this is really f- cool. And he made some kind of joke about it. And then the KGB just like got around him and surrounded him and he just walked away and he stole his ring. Wow. And, and then the article goes on to say that, that he wanted to take it back. <laughs> he was <laughs> telling government officials and the president, and everything. I want my, I want my ring back. I mean, that, that has a lot of meaning to me. I mean, you could imagine. Right, right. And I think it was, it says that the ring was worth $25,000. So he's going, I want my ring back. And the government and president, the president, and uh, I can't remember, uh, it must have been, that would have been Obama, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, president at the time. And then said to him, and I think Secret Service agencies or somebody said to him, uh, just you just need to kind of act like this was a gift and just let it go. Wow. Like you don't want to ruffle his feathers. 
I don't know, man. That's crazy that that happened. Can you imagine happened. sitting across somebody like that and they just walk away with they just walk away with something that costs, means something to you that only however many people have and he's just going to take it? I mean, but there you go, right? Right. A taker. You, you, I mean, and you, you hate to um, draw that type of a conclusion from just that little anecdote, but sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire, mm. man. I mean, that, that's what that guy's about. Mm. He wants to take more resources, people, whatever, to do whatever it is he thinks he's supposed to do. That's the spirit of scarcity. Mm-hmm. That's the spirit of, of living a lie and building your own kingdom. Um, opposed to that, which was some good news, which I think we always have to focus on, is the billionaire entrepreneur Elon Musk, the rocketeer, uh, he, he decided to give Ukraine... Wi-Fi from outer space. Right. He's been building since 2018 the Starlink, which is a, a bunch of satellites that provide from the atmosphere, from uh, orbit, w- w- internet for wherever it yeah. points. And 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 somebody tweeted at him about, "Hey, it'd be nice if Elon would turn on Starlink for these people." And then he tweeted back and said, "I got it." So then, like within a day. He was offering Wi-Fi or internet to Crazy. the people, just gave it to them. And there's pictures of these giant trucks because I guess there, there has to be some kind of units on the ground mm-hmm. that, that bounce the stuff around. But I, apparently it's pretty easy. And then he texted again or tweeted that more is coming. Wow. So, I mean, you know, look, I mean, just right there, two different ideas about what am I, am I here to give? Am I here to make this world a better place uh, or am I here to take? Yeah, I love the visualization that you've done with scarcity and generosity uh, of thinking them of them as physical locations. Yeah. You know, well, I think that the state of mind, right? What are you in? We have to all do real work. You know, one of the things we're, mm. we're talking about with our kids is as we're teaching them the Bible, our kids at the church that come through our, our, we have this class called we live Mm -hmm. where they learn the story of the Bible and what the Bible is. And we say that there's four tools that it is. Uh, It's a magnifying glass. It's a mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the other ones? Oh gosh, I'm going to forget them. I helped write them, but I can't remember (laughs) kind of help write them, but it's a mag, it's a mirror, you know, like we have to look in the mirror and go, what is driving me? Mm -hmm. I mean, are you serious about worshiping God? Like, are you, does it matter to you at all? Why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. And the reality is, is that you'll find it's for the wrong reason. And that's the beginning of healing. Okay, God, I know I'm doing this for the wrong reason. You know, and at some point you hope to mature and you make it the right reason. Right. But if you don't take the time to see what it is, it's going to be the wrong reason. You know, you, you ended with the inspection and, yes. and I got to tell you that hit home for me. Yeah. Uh, you talked about doing a home inspection yep. of the heart and how important it is when we do home inspections to find the imperfections. That's right. And we're looking for those things that are actually going to be improved. And, and we want to know. We want to know. Where they are. Um, that really resonated with me as yeah. I was standing there at the end of the service and going, where am I really on this, this spectrum? Mm-hmm. Because it is a spectrum. It is. And, it is. And uh, how and where are those places in my heart that I need to deal with this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a spectrum is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Like when you look at the uh, uh, at your weather app, mm-hmm. 
and there's like the spectrum of like sun and then clouds and then cold and then rain and then mixed rain and then snow. You know, it's like, there's a difference. I feel an Ohio uh, (laughs) reference coming in here about our weather. Well, the weather stinks right now, (laughs) but there's a big difference. It's a spectrum. So you might think you might take that analogy to think that, that, you know, you're making everything too smooth and it's too, you know, there's not much difference between being in generosity or being living in scarcity but it's a there's a big difference between sunny and 72 mm-hmm. and freezing rain big big difference the color the you know the temperature the the way that the the whole experience is the moisture it's different and we do need to ask ourselves and i i, I love that analogy too i i love the idea of of going i do want to find what's wrong mm-hmm. i want to find it that's a, that that alone i think is at least a humble place to start. Yeah. I'm interested in what's not right more than what's right right now. Humility. I'm interested in what I don't know. What I don't know is more important to me than what I do know. I'm going to keep seeking so that I can grow. But that comes from a worldview that not a lot of people like because Mm -hmm. the worldview is you are made in the image of God, but you're fractured. There's a problem. We've all like sheep have gone astray. Mm-hmm. The depths of the evil of the human heart, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad news when you talk about what the, we have the capability to do, but that's not, that's not something people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You don't want to hear you're messed up and you, you want to hear you're the perfect house and that everything's fine and it's <laughs> brand new and there's no problems. Right. That's not real though. So even no. if you don't like it theologically, practically speaking, what a stupid way to live your life. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think we have to explore what the depths of that spectrum are as well. Yeah. Uh, It it would be like comparing the Ohio weather and saying it's fantastic here compared to Seattle. Right. Well, what does an uncloudy day look like? Right. And how many of those do you get? Right. Yes. Uh, How good could it get in generosity if we actually live there on a regular basis? Yeah, that's good, man. Yes, live there. How do you, you know, and so that's what I'm talking about this week. So I'm going to get about how do you, how do you make sure that you have not let scarcity's God be your God? Mm. How do you make sure that you are moving to a different state of mind, to a mm-hmm. different, a different reality? Um, and so that's really good. We're going to talk about that more. So with that, David, all this good stuff, let's, let's move into the reason that you're here um, and a part of the podcast that I like to call the aficionado, because this is, this means that you speak with authority on some certain things in your life. Thank, thank the Lord for your experience and your ability to lead and leverage that. And like you said, offer it. And so that's what you're going to do, uh, as we, uh, dive into this part about leadership with David Holliday called the aficionado. Okay, so we, you, you told us where you're from. David Holliday moved to Columbus, Ohio, oh, I don't know, within the past two years. Yeah, about a, about a year and a half ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he is, I'm going to tell you guys one, just a little bit of background, then you're going to give fill in the blanks for us. David is the former president and CEO of Cover My Meds. So Cover My Meds, uh, he'll tell you what that does because it's kind of 
confusing and I won't say it right until I say it three times and, and hear it the right way. But uh, he'll tell you what that is. But if you've been on 70, uh, 70 West, mm-hmm. just West of downtown and you go to, uh, you'll, you'll see where the big rogue sign is the rogue building or at least mm-hmm. that the um, orange bill marketing the, or yeah, mm-hmm. that marketing building that has the big rogue sign on it or Apple or mm-hmm. whatever they change right next to that. There's these two big glass cubes, glass cubes, kind of Siamese uh, looking buildings. And David was part of that project, if not the the lead part of making that project and bringing cover by meds to Columbus. And then he's had a change. So, David, why don't you kind of launch into a little bit? People want to know who's David Holiday, where are you coming from, a little bit about what you've done, what you're doing now. And then we'll talk about what we, we we've learned, what you've learned. Sure. Thanks, Joel. Thanks yep. for having me. Absolutely. Um, I, I got to tell you, first and foremost, I am the husband of a beautiful wife and a wonderful partner who has stood by my side for almost 28 years now Wow! and given me, uh, Deanna, and given me two wonderful kids, a 21-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. And that leads to why I moved here. Mm. Uh, for two and a half years, I had the opportunity to run Cover My Meds uh, from Nashville and was traveling up here 50 weeks out of the year. Mm. And just missing the opportunity of being with my daughter and said, enough's enough. Yeah. We got to, we got to move the family. Yeah. And Good so uh, made the move up here about a year and a half ago. Um, not like not, not leaving scarcity in any way, but understanding the principle that if you want things to be different, you got to make a move. That's right. That's right. And you know, I, it, our time is probably the only thing that truly is marked uh, uh, by a delineation of we only get 24 only so hours much. a day, right? And and how you spend it and yep. where you spend it is the most valuable resource that we have to spend, time, mm-hmm. talent, and treasure. Yep. Um, and time being the top of that. So I, I definitely was looking for a way to spend more time with family and, and invest there. Um, I have uh, had over 25 years experience in the healthcare space and okay. predominantly in the pharmaceutical space. This is where Cover My Meds comes into mm-hmm. that story. I worked with uh, two major uh, PBMs and carriers, insurance carriers, uh, prior to coming up here. PBM. Prescription Benefit Management Mm -hmm. Company. Another one. I got to ask. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it confuses those of us who've even been around. Yeah, okay. That's good to know. So uh, I made the move up here. Uh, It's been four years with Cover My Meds. And Cover My Meds is a company that was founded right here in in Columbus, uh, took to solve a a unique problem in healthcare. And that's that's the fact that we get this insurance and uh, our first experience is showing up at the pharmacy and having a prescription from the the, uh, prescriber. And they tell you it's not covered. Uh, when you get to the pharmacy and they tell you, you have to choose. Do you trust the insurance provider who's telling you it's not covered or do you trust the doctor who wrote you the script? And we all know who we trust, right? It's right. the, it's the it's physician. The, yeah, the doctor. And so why is that our first experience in healthcare is is being put in that position as a uh, a consumer? And, mm. and we went to solve that problem. Yeah. And uh, the opportunity to remove the barriers, put all of the, the P's in the system, the, the pharmacist, the physician, the provider, the, uh, the pharma manufacturer, put all of them around the patient in a way that they could focus on solving this problem for the patient with the patient at the center. Uh, that's what started this company that was a unicorn and uh, grew to be uh, worth uh, $1.4, $1.8 billion, uh, sold to McKesson. Now, you, you 
got brought in, you said a total of four years ago? Yes. Yeah, so I came in post-acquisition uh, okay. from McKesson. I've been friends with the, the founder of the company since he founded the company, Matt Scantlin, uh, back in 2010, 2011. So just frame. give everybody a little bit of what got you into that space in the first place. What were you doing? What was your background before you went to cover my meds? Yeah, I'm a technologist by training. I, I grew up in the management information system world, which is uh, I was a coder. I uh, oh, okay. worked in uh, credit card space and did uh, coding on just how our, our credit card transactions work. Did some work in telecom space. And then, like I said, in the prescription benefit management okay, space uh, prior to coming up here. Okay. Uh, had the opportunity to join post-acquisition. And uh, we know that post-acquisition is usually where companies fail. Uh, they, they get acquired and they get consumed into a large corporation and... Uh, things change, and uh, th you know this was an opportunity to uh, defy the odds, and we did. For four years, we grew twenty-five plus percent year over year. Wow! So what, my my first reaction to um, acquisition being the beginning of the end is that the entity that's acquired loses its heart and soul. Yeah. Not 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 in a not in a dramatic way, like it, it becomes a meaningless endeavor but that those moorings and principles that really founded it and the heart, maybe even the person that drove it, 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 it can't, its identity gets shook up. Yeah. It's marriage. Yeah. I mean, and, and let's, let's face it. It's just like any other union. Of really two, hard to do. Yeah. Two relationships come together and you have to figure out who are we together. That's interesting. That's an, that's a great analogy. I mean, you, you're, I know you, you are going to like, potentially enter that space, right? In terms mm -hmm. of your future, like uh, other acquisitions. But well, that's really interesting. I have people come to me as a pastor, right? And they want me to marry them and they want me to, um, uh, you know, do their marriage counseling. And, and I mean, I've had some, I've had some moments where there's a, there's a, not a fit, you know, I, I actually have a story where I was a couple weeks into counseling and the two were there's a, the whole the, the biblical model right is the unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not you're not equally yoked, which is the idea that you know if you have two ox pulling whatever uh, a till or whatever they pull I don't know they pull something and if if one is bigger or faster than the other then you can't you can't go in a straight line. So mm -hmm. if one's bigger, one ox is big, one's small, then they're going to go in circles. If they if they disagree with each other and they both try to go opposite directions, they go nowhere, mm -hmm. right? You know, if the, if one's going backwards and one going forward, then you're going to pull apart, right? They're going to move and leave on without you. Right. You got all kinds of potential, so you have to be equally yoked, similar size, similar pace, similar direction in life. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. It's a great principle, but that's what you're saying, mm -hmm. and you could see it at times. So one time, just I know it's a little sideways, but I, I one time I had a, a couple. And this couple, uh, I think the issue was, this is a little hot topic, was guns. She had some problem with guns, which is understandable. Just had a problem with them. I think she even had some trauma related to them. Mm -hmm. And he just was a guy that grew up with guns. I mean, he just had all kinds of guns. And in one of the conversations, their ideologies came out. You know, what is life? What is it all about? What do we do under the worst 
circumstances mm-hmm. how do we survive what's the purpose of life and you're talking i mean they they sat with each other and i just watched them define how opposed they were to some major pieces of mm-hmm. life and so i went for broke with them and that's one of the things i do with couples when they come in i said look i'll 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 help you but i you know but i am going to challenge you like i am going to tell you if there's something that i don't think is right you're going to hear it from me so you're agreeing beforehand to hear hear that okay rather know it up front than they, later that's right so then they say i i told them i said this is a big deal i said you guys do not agree about this I said, and if you couldn't agree about this, I have a hard time understanding how you would you would do well. Mm-hmm. You really on a because that the implications of the ideologies they s- s- slipped into money and kids, and it just kind of like opened up a Pandora's box of all these mismatches. And I said, I just unless you can square this away or some you have some conversation that maybe you can see it from a different way and there's some hope, but it was not. So then two weeks before the wedding, he just disappeared. Literally. I mean, she, he got a text, she got a text, but that was it. Wow. And she was so mad at me for a month. Sure. And then a year later, the thank you came. Oh yeah. <laughs> she came back and she's like, thank you. So, but anyway, I mean, it's true, right? So that, that's what acquisitions are. But you got to go in and, and you saw the possibility. Yeah. And, and getting to join post acquisition is, is an interesting spot to join. Uh, in fact, it's not usually a place that people choose. Uh, yeah, right. Because there's a lot of change going yeah. on unless you're the, the advocate for change agent. Right. Unless you're the driver. Right. And uh, the opportunity here really wasn't driven by that. It was, um, I have known the company since they started and saw a culture that was amazing. And we mm. talked earlier about, you know, a place where you could do things bigger than yourselves and having a, a set of core values and beliefs that were more than something that hung on the wall, but actually real. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you see them lived out on a daily basis yeah. in, in the people's uh, approach to how they, uh, you know, approached life. Yeah. Um, I got pretty enamored by that and said, is there a way that we could continue? And, hmm. and we were able to, uh, post acquisition, we, we grew, we launched two new products that were over a hundred million dollars a piece, which, wow. You know, that in and of itself is a unicorn. Uh, right, yeah, and, that's not normal. And, uh, and it's been just an incredible uh, journey. And, you know, uh, just recently in January, it was my time to step step away and take the next opportunity and mm-hmm. consider where, where next is going to be and watch some people uh, continue to, you know, blossom in their journey as that's, well. Yeah, good for you. Um, I remember when I met you at Cover My Meds at the new building. Yeah. You talk about a culture. I mean that's a corporate experience that's very unique. I would I ha, right? It is. They it serve is. everybody lunch. Yes, culinary staff, full culinary staff. And and do you pay for it or is it It's part of your It's part benefits, of your compensation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the thing that I thought was cool, which I'm not supposed to say as a pastor, is you had draft beer. Yeah, on it's on tap. On tap, man. I mean, is that one of those things where it's like you're allowed to do that, but if people do that then they get frowned upon you know, or did some people have some beer? No, they had beer. Uh, that, that's part of the day. And you know, and what it really said, it wasn't about the beer consumption. Yeah. It, it said to this 30 something crowd yeah. that, that we brought together, we trust you enough to be an adult. 
yeah, right. make good decisions. Right. And we want to empower you to lead and make good decisions yeah. and be a part of this organization. Absolutely. And you know, the people that mis misuse or abuse that they're gone. They're, yeah, they're, they're not going to be around anyway. That's right. There's other stuff going on. But if you are, you know, at 4 p.m., meetings over, you guys had a basketball court. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I got to tell you, man, I would have been one of the guys going, let's get a beer and play pig. Yeah, my, my daughter I hope came that down happened. And, my daughter came down and saw the place. She's 17 and said, uh, Dad, you know, this place is a parent trap. And I said, what do you mean by that? She says, well, why would anybody want to come home after being here all day? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Great place. Great culture. That was a yeah. big part of your job, right? Yes. Big yeah. part of your job, um, which I really appreciated. I could tell how intentional, because I would imagine, and we'll dive into some of these specific things that, that we're, we're ready to talk about, but I would imagine that in a corporate space, making it feel a certain way, uh, 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 different than just the natural progression of corporate, which becomes hierarchical and, mm -hmm. and sterile and uh, chain of command and punch your hours because you, be, you become a number really fast. I mean, how many people in the building, not COVID, but yeah, typically 1400 employees in yeah. town. Mm. I mean, it just can become real, real fast. So anyway, how, how, tell me a little bit about creating the culture like that. And if you want to just dive into any of the other stuff that I talked to you about, I'm, I'm my opening kind of just question for you is what is leadership? But I do want to hear a little bit about culture and how you shape that on that scale, because that's intriguing to me. Yeah, it, um, you know, authenticity is what I would say. It, it, you can't make a perception of a place that has that kind of culture. Mm. You have to be real uh, about what you're, what you're telling these people that they're available to do and be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had an incredible amount of applicants that would apply for the, the jobs that were available. And it was because they heard about a place where they mm. could come and do things bigger than themselves. They heard that there was a group of people that were okay with working with others and uh, allowing their ideas to be improved by others. Yeah. Um, and and it, uh, it just bred this, this mentality that, that um, people knew about before they ever walked in the front door. Mm. And uh, you have to be intentional yeah. about clarity. This, as this well. is our mission. This is what we do. This is what it is here. And equally as important as where we're going is how we're going to get there. Yeah, say that again. Yeah, it's it's where not, we're going. That's right. It's it's not just that the end justifies the means, but how we get there is the, equally as important. Mm, so the the step, the journey. That's right. So I, I know you are the big dog over there. <laughs> But you've had, so did you ever have to fire somebody for just a culture fit thing? I, you know, our goal would be not to fire somebody for culture fit, but to recognize that on the way in the door uh, yeah. and, and make it so apparent as That's you're the joining goal, the right? organization that. Here's who we are. We're not, this isn't a joke. This is who we are. If you don't like this, don't jump on board. Like, don't. You right. know, like I, we do the thing at the church. We love humor here. We're going to have fun. We're going to do stuff that at times is like, so if you have a problem with that, like, you know, like you're going to not like that part. It's that's part of our culture here is to have fun, you know? And yeah. some people are like, oh yeah, I want to have fun. And then, you know, you've had people, we haven't had many because we tell them up front. That's right. So then they leave and you're like, oh, you know, people should interview their potential employer as much as they're being interviewed. That's Absolutely. Right. right? 
But have you ever had to like let someone go for a, a misfit of culture? Yeah. What uh, what what course. did that what did that tell me? I want to hear like what they do. What, what what what? How did it manifest? The the culture misfit. Yeah, uh, Joel. I would just say it, it's it's um, and I'm having a hard time right now remembering a specific. No, that's fine. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Conceptual is uh, fine. Yeah, it 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 really is about uh, approaching decision making the way that we mm. uh, choose to approach decision making as a group, mm. and and that's. Uh, that we're not looking for a maverick and that you, you being a person of knowledge and expertise, if you show up as a jerk on the job, it's not going to be tolerated. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much, you know, mm -hmm. um, but rather how we go about doing our work together and, and allowing the ideas to be cultivated together uh, is what's more important. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I found like, you know, I've heard leaders say, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, you want to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. You, you know, just because you got there first doesn't mean you're smartest. You know, in church world, that's what it's like. You started something, and then the only way you're going to grow is to have smart, the smartest people in the mm -hmm. room or smarter people in the room. But at the same time, it's your job to make sure that the smarter people in the room uh, don't make it about being the smartest person right. in the room. Right. Yeah, you're smart, but that that's a piece of this. Mm-hmm. How you interact, how you share your idea, how you, is that a little bit of what you you're getting it. at? You got it. It's like someone shows up and I know, you know, they're the smart person. I'm smart. I went to Yale. I know. I know the answer. We don't need to have a discussion about it. And they miss that, right? Yeah. It, it, if you don't think about cultivating the others around you through the process, uh, it's not always having the answer to the question, but sometimes, most of the time I would interject having the right question yeah. is more important than having the answer. Right. And just, tr just being on a collective journey of, of helping move the mission forward. But again, that's, that can sound like corporate speak, but it can't be right. It has to be real. It's authenticity. It has to be real. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be the kind of, you know, for me as a leader, I I'm like, I really want to know what you think. Tell me what you think. Because I read what years ago with many counselors, plans succeed. With few, they fail. Mm -hmm. You know, so why wouldn't you want to hear? I mean, I don't want you, you. Do you plan to fail? Absolutely not. No. But if you don't get counsel, that's what you're doing. That's right. That's you will right. fail if you don't let everybody speak and create an environment where sharing that idea is. That's, that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And that can be hard because, you know, sometimes you have the, the showstopper and you have to go, let's keep talking. That might be right, but let's keep talking. Or you, sometimes you have the dumbest idea ever said, but you have to make it safe. Right. It's okay. That's part of it. Let's, let's make this soup here and keep mm -hmm. going. Okay. So David, what is leadership? Great question. Uh, you know, our first definition of leadership when we get into business world is the title we receive. Mm. Many people stop there and they go, oh, well, I'm a leader if I've been placed in charge of some other people. I'm a manager. I'm a director. I'm a VP. Title. 
right position uh, quickly you recognize that 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 gives you some authority but that doesn't make you a leader mm-hmm. and uh, leadership comes and I'll, I'll define it really simply when you look behind you and someone's following yeah you've actually cast enough vision you're putting enough light on the path that someone else is saying you know what that's a direction i want to go and yeah. that's someone i could see myself behind yeah um but then uh, yeah, and that's a tough thing because you you hire somebody and they, you know, their resume says they get this position, but it is tough, isn't it? You know, sometimes you don't know. They'll tell mm-hmm. you. When I interview people if for a job, like I remember interviewing for a, a groups person, and it's like, how many, how many people have you led? Right. How many people have you led? And I had one person come from a de- out of state, a friend of someone that worked here. They wanted to have the person be the groups guy because he was a really sweet, like nice guy who like knew the Bible and loved people. And I was like, how many people have you led? What do you mean? How many people have you led? When have you been the leader of a specific amount of individuals to take them all from a to B to C could be like a mission trip. Could be like a, have you ever led anything? Mm -hmm. And this one is like, well, I led like four people. We did this thing. And I'm like, no, no, not because, not because it didn't mean there wasn't a potential, but you could just tell that like they wanted to be a leader lots of times and nobody was following them. Yeah. And I, th- I think uh, if you look at the definition of leadership I gave, there's, there's managerial leadership where you have reports yeah. and you have that number of people that you have to take care of, but yes. there's leadership. And we, we define this. I, one of the first things we said when I joined the company is we wanted to be a company of a thousand leaders. Yeah. Well, how do you do that when you're a company that's 800 people strong and, and you want to be a company of a thousand leaders? In fact, the first thing people said was, well, does that mean we're going to be a 10,000 person company? I, I don't know. At some point we may be, but we need a thousand that. people here that each will show up every day and be a leader. It means you look around and someone's following. Hmm. So that can come from any position within the company, whether, yeah. whether you're a subject matter expert in your given role or you've got a capability that, you, uh, that you're bringing to the table and you may not have a direct report managerially, right? but you can still be a leader. Yeah, that's, that's good. How would that manifest? Do you, do you, do you uh, parse the, the managerial leader and the leader? Like in your mind, can someone be a good leader or, or can someone be a good manager and not be necessarily good at leading? Is that what you were getting at? No, I think, I think you have to be a good leader to be a good manager. Okay. But I think you can be a good leader without being a manager. Without being a manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Okay. And think about technical tracks and, and individual contributors on teams that are really talented at what they do. Their leadership is equally as important in being the, uh, the mentor to somebody else who's yeah. trying to grow in that same level of career and, and skill set. And they, might, they may not be the manager. They're just contributing, but they're influencing, they're leading. Yeah, think about an influential leader. Uh, if, you are, if you're actually showing up for your job and you name it, you're a, you're a finance person mm-hmm. or you're a programmer or a developer, and you have a group of followers that you're helping to develop in that skill set or that trade, is that harder or easier than being the authority manager? Yeah, right. I'll, I'll take those influencers uh, any day mm-hmm. because I can turn them into uh, people managers. Yeah, 
But right. influential leadership comes because someone freely and willfully gave their their allegiance to that person hmm. and right. said, and you've you, got something I want. I want to follow that. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing. Have you ever ha- had brought somebody to a place where realizing they were a leader and they didn't even know it? They just kind of naturally yeah. had a bunch of people following them. And then you're like, you know, like, dude. Yeah, we, we would call those influencer nodes in mm-hmm. the in the system. You know, you look around a company. If you're, and I learned this back in the days when I was doing mergers and acquisitions. You, know, the, you don't just go in and look at the org chart. You actually look at who are the people that others are going to and saying, "Tell me more about how to get the job done," yeah. or that they're actually having the influence in the room uh, whenever there's a, a decision that needs to be yeah, made. Absolutely. One of my favorite, de- I love the definition of leadership that you gave. I, the One of the best definitions I heard was Marcus Buckingham. He's one of the guys that did the Strengths Finder, mm-hmm. and it's similar to yours. Oh, yeah. So you guys probably use mm-hmm. that. I'm a, I'm a huge Strengths Finder fan. Oh, we uh, need to fan. talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. But Marcus Buckingham, and then another guy, there's another guy, but he's the one that always speaks at the conferences, the leadership conferences I heard. And he his definition of leadership was, and I think it still is, the ability to rally people together to a better future. Mm. And I, I like that because when I, I've done some leadership talks and I, I do think that, like you said, the node, like the natural kind of mm-hmm. they find, but I think that leadership is like a, a an action, a, a thing that you decide to do that you intentionally move into the world and go, uh, we're going here. Mm-hmm. Let's all, let's go. I think we should go. Um, and like you said, th- there it is. If they can do that, the ability to have people follow you, rally people together, lead, where are we leading? It better be a better place, right? I mean, that that is the moral side of it. Mm-hmm. But technically speaking, man, if you can't rally people together, do you think that everyone has the ability to become a leader like that? Like the ability to rally them and... What's your thoughts on on that kind of nature nurture? Yeah, uh, if, if I believe that we're all made in His image, then I have to believe that that's got to be at the core of capability. S- some some version. Mm-hmm. Now I think there are I think there are varying degrees of gifts and talents that we're given, and knowing what your strengths and capabilities are and accentuating those. That's the whole strengths finder yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, is where we find our best self in this world uh, and our our best ability to have the impact that our feet were planted here for. Yeah. You may be able to lead. I I think it was Maxwell. Someone talks about the levels of leadership. Right. Five levels of leadership. Yeah. That, that, and also the, the number, like you may be a leader of five, some are leader of 50, some are leader of 500, some 5,000. I I think that's true. Mm -hmm. So definitely, some of the proponents and, and the elements of a leader may be universal across that scale. Well, the fundamentals of it is you have to be able to lead yourself. You have to be able to lead yourself first, right? <laughs> to start, I mean, that's, right? of course, yep. And, and you know, inter- how do you do that? Well, first of all, on the Strengths Finder, what are you? Relator, woo, command, analytics, and arranger. Wow. Okay, so the first one you said, I don't know if I've ever met any anyone who their top thing is relator. What yeah. does that mean? It, it basically means that uh, there are a few really deep relationships in my life and they matter to me long-term. 
uh, and I will go extremely deep with them. And uh, there's a, a band of brothers, I would call it, mm. uh, you know, eight. And some of those are physically my brothers. I have three older brothers. Yeah. And we talk on a regular basis. And that was I the say, Petri dish. Yeah, daily. Uh, and and uh, we go very deep. Those relationships are extremely important to me. Do you... Um are you constantly on the move looking for more or do you kind of have them and then it's just you, you just build those, you just dig those deeper, you water those. Yeah. Like, w- I, I, uh, the woo side is yeah. the side that's, that's interesting. Looking, it, it's a very Always interesting new. contrast to both yeah, of those. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's really recognizing the connectiveness and seeing the value in what each person brings to the table. And, uh, you know, my wife, she, you know, she's a little more of an introvert than me. Uh, yeah, mine we, too. We go yeah. to parties and she said, you, you just see it as a, you know, it's the, the world is my oyster yes. and, and I want to dive in and, yes. you know, experience humanity. And, and it's true. Uh, yep. but when it comes down so to on that other assessment, you're an extrovert. Yeah. 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 And but when it comes down to deep relationship and getting to know me, that, that starts getting reserved for a few. So relater, I remember hearing in the strengths finders, cause there's like six, 36 of them or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the relator sounds like good for, for not, uh, like management, like the ability to developing leaders, develop and develop yeah. people. Yeah. The, the, uh, maybe the intentionality behind that, mm-hmm. because there's something I think that's cr- key is, does the relator mean that like you have the ability to relate to people well, or that you de- are, you desire relationship? It's more the, the latter than the former. Okay. Uh, really that, that it's important to me that I, I exercise and see the value of human interaction, deep human interaction, not just surface level. I find that, that that has to be one of the strengths that is almost, I think in some of those strengths, there's like uh, cardinals that it's like, if you can't do this or you don't figure this out, even if like you, you're not, it's not a top for you, but like if you, if you have no equity in being able to relate to people and, and build relations, it's going to be hard to lead. It's kind of the human transaction that we're all built upon, right? Yeah. Like, so mine's not one of those that scares me, but I'm, I hear you talk about that and I'm like, no, no, no. I have to be able to do that a little bit because how can you, my son on, I talked about it, my son's on a basketball team. And mm-hmm. so the coach is a great guy. I'm I'm the, I'm not the I'm, the I'm the assistant coach. The coach is a great guy. It's me. Uh, no, he uh, he he sends an email out to parents and says, "Hey, you know, if you want to talk to me about your son and and kind of what he's going through and what he's saying at home." So my wife called the coach and just told told him things that only a mom knows. Mm. You know, this is how Kellen is and how he connects with people and 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 what is most important to him, my son, the most important thing to him, it just is the way is, is the relationship Mm. friends. Mm -hmm. Like that is why he likes to play basketball because he gets to hang out with all of his friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, go ahead. No, when, when, when she told him that he said, Oh my gosh. So she told him really all you got to do Cause she said one, he said one time I was telling him to move out, you know, out of the paint for a zone. And he just looked at me and didn't do it. And then he didn't do it. And he got pulled out of the game and I watched it happen too. I'm like, Kellen, it doesn't matter if you you're playing well, if you don't do what the coach says, you're out. You, you have to do what he says. Mm. And 
So then this conversation happened and she said that he listens really well when he feels that you have related to him a little bit. Mm. So the coach went like this and showed up at the next couple of practices and stopped and said, Kellen, what, well, how was school today? You know, what'd you do at school? Mm-hmm. Where'd you get the, are you got new shoes on and whatever, just tried to relate to him and build a relationship. Right. So there was like, you know, a relationship builds. We talked about this. We're going to talk about this more next time in the, you know, relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a connectivity between that. Wasn't just some standalone thing that you do when you talk to people and act like you care, you remember you're building it. It matters. He did that with him and then his whole demeanor changed. Yeah, you know, in the business world or in uh, uh, businesses, we always talk about employee engagement. You know, this is the big buzzword. Okay, yeah, I love that. Today. And uh, there's different there's different tests or questions that we ask so we can assess that and then look at it over a continuum of time. Um, all of that boils down to relationship, and, yeah. and it and it really it's there's three categories: know me, focus me, and care about me. And this is kind of the basics of what we all want as humans. We now, want to, context. This is what you're teaching your leaders to have their disposition to the client. You need to know them. You need to focus them in the right direction. And then you need to care help, about them. Care. Yeah. And it, and not necessarily the client. This Before we can get there and think about the aspect it's each of other. got to think about the, the folks within the company first. Each other. That's know, right. Know each other help each other focus and care for one another. That's right. How in the world do you do that with a thousand people? Yeah. Uh, you know, it starts out first with, uh, it's, it's one-on-one relationships Man. and, it's and a lot. you can't bypass that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, we, you, you hear the, uh, another one of those terms in the industry of it's one-on-ones. Have you had your one-on-one with your employee lately? And, yeah. and it really is. Are you spending the direct time to understand who the person is? Yeah. What, what's motivating them? Yeah. Uh, do you truly know them? Uh, do you know their wants, their desires? Do you know their strengths, their capabilities? And then are you providing the right amount of focus? Meaning, uh, do you have a vision where you're going? And does everybody understand the why? And can I, as an individual, understand how the work that I'm doing connects with that greater good, that, that greater uh, vision of where we want to go from here? that only can be accomplished by this, this larger group and each of us individually giving to it. Have you ever had a situation where somebody fits the culture, they, they care about the right things, you know, I mean, they're relatable, they go, yeah. they, they talk with people, um, they get all that stuff, but they're just not performing. They just, they're just not, and I, I know that performing means that's part of it, but like whatever their objective is, because that's where these things get tough, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have your objective and you still got to do your job. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had, you know, a, a person that's just like, man, this person feels like they fit in every way, but they're just not. Yeah. It, it usually breaks down to, to trying to figure out where is the gap and it. And, you know, I'll, I'll cut to the end on this. Yeah. Rarely is it because they're incapable uh, a lot of times mm. it's, it's beyond the incapability. Uh, most of us show up to the job and have the right skill sets or can be trained in the right skill sets. The possibility, the potential. Yeah, it, it's alignment with the vision. Uh, mm. And do I, do I know where we're headed and why? And can I take my own purpose and reason for existence and align it with that? 
And so you come into that, that worker and help them and go, Hey, what seems to be the problem? Like where, how, how, how first are you thinking about, and you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's almost counseling, if you will, yeah. uh, it, at the, the basic levels of why are your two feet planted here on this earth? Yeah. And what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. And then if you know that about yourself, it's much easier to align with a body of people, whether that's a community mm. or it's a work environment or it's a, um, a project that you're mm. just picking up or a church, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, you have to know why you're here, what mm. your purpose is, mm. and then understand the purpose of the organization because it's not, the company's not some magic thing. It's a group of people yes. that are aligning all of their purpose right. and passion and saying, here's where we're going. Today. Okay. So you, you just tipped your hand a little bit. You, you talked about what leadership is. You, you've explained to me in the past, one of your passions, um, mm -hmm about leadership the maybe something unique to you about what you you had it revealed to you that you could yeah. do this this version of leadership tell us what what i'm referring to here i can't remember exactly how you articulated yeah, it it it, uh, it may sound simple or a little uh straightforward but i feel like that my purpose in life the reason why i'm planted here is to help others understand their purpose okay yeah yeah but that was it yep and and you know all too often we approach life with this, this mentality or our jobs with this mentality of, I want to feel good about what I'm doing. Mm. And if I put enough of those days together where I felt good about my job, I woke up and was excited about going to work today. Then if I get enough of those going, then, okay, that means I've got some passion. Mm -hmm. And if I get enough passion about what I'm doing, then I'll finally find my purpose in life. Okay. It's exactly opposite of that. The, yeah. Tell me. Yep. You know, you, you first have to go through the, the, the deep understanding of why am I here and what am I here to accomplish? What how are my do you strengths do that? and capabilities? How do you help someone through that? Yeah, I think just starting first with what are my gifts, talents, capabilities, and do I really understand them? Uh, so you help people do self-assessment. That's right. And then from there... So, sorry, not to... How do you do that with them? Do you do the strengths finders and the... What are some of the things that you do? There's multiple tools out there that we can use. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I like StrengthsFinder. Personalysis is one I've, I've learned mm -hmm. here lately and really enjoyed using it as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about articulating and being able to articulate to others through words what it is about you that makes you uniquely capable to be a part of a team. Mm -hmm. uh, and a common language, it doesn't matter which one you use, whether mm -hmm. that's StrengthsFinder or Personalysis or Myers-Briggs, yep. it's that common language that allows us to talk about yes. and express who we are mm -hmm. and then have an understanding of who someone else is sitting across the table mm -hmm. rather than uh, putting a different uh, facade on them, but but looking at it through the same building blocks. So, so some of those strength things and personality assessments are just unifiers, that's right. Tools I mean, and to show us who we are. So we are talking in common language so that we can make adjustments. We can understand, clarify, and move forward together. That's yeah. a great way to think about those. Qu those quicker things. understanding to uh, put yourself in the shoes of the other person. Yeah, empathy. And understand the perspective that mm -hmm. they're coming to the table mm -hmm. with. Um, I like that. That's got to be invigorating when you do that with people. You, you're a strong Christian. Talk a little bit about your faith. I mean, and tell me how you integrate your faith into that type of purpose, meaningful life 
in the corporate world? Yeah, you know, when when I have those conversations about purpose with people, that's a pretty deep question. I, that's what I mean. And it causes some introspection, uh, introspective work to be done. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it um, it's typically something that we don't deal with just until we're late forties, early fifties, and we're starting to recognize that life is not. <laughs> It's not fine. It's not uh, infinite, but there's actually an ending to this. Yeah. And, you know, we start recognizing that there's only so many years left. Yeah. And how am I going to use this time? Mm-hmm. And so the conversation I have with, with leaders that I'm around, whether it's those who work directly for me or in other places uh, in the community is why we wait? Why are we waiting that long? Why, why not have this conversation with yourself in your 20s and 30s? And why not start the dialogue with understanding who you are and why your feet are planted on this earth now? Yeah. Um, and, and it's priority setting too. Uh, you know, know who you are as an individual, get, get appreciation for that and, and learn how to love yourself so that you can love others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then think well, about your family. You, tell me a little bit about loving yourself. I mean, the, wh- wh- where did, where did that click for you? I mean, in the Christian world, there's like this really interesting, or maybe I would call it weird, off idea. You don't, you can't love yourself. You know, that's selfish. You know, it's not about loving self. It's about loving others. Tell me where you come from on that, because I don't think that's a biblical idea to not love yourself. Yeah. Um, how can you show grace to someone else and empathy or understanding if you haven't taken the time to say, I'm a screwed up mess and it's okay, that that's where I was yesterday, but today's a new day and there can be something different. Yeah. You, you get grace, you receive it. You know, one of the reasons we get grace, we don't deserve grace. Right. That's the point of it. But it, it is offered to us. You know, you think about that. Why do you give, why do you give grace to your son? Because you love them, mm-hmm. you know you're let you're you're forgiving them because you love them. Yes, they did something wrong. Yes, they need help, but you don't have to give it. God gives it because in His mind, we're worth Him giving it to. That's right. I, I, I or Him giving it to us. Yeah, He wants to give us something that fills in the gap because he thinks it, that we're worth that. That's a message I think is important. How do you do this in, in, in corporate, the Christian side? Do you go there? Do you, do, how does that happen? I mean, you start talking about purpose. Do you, do you help people discover an individual purpose for their specific life? Or, or do you help them understand that generally uh, 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 from your perspective, everybody has a purpose? Everybody has a purpose and we're all searching for what that purpose is. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a quest that we're all, it's a hunger, it is a hole in our heart that we all have Yes, that has to be filled. Yes. Now, you're going to figure out how you fill that as an individual. Um, and I don't think we have to be overt and preachy about right. how, yeah. to, how to solve that problem. But I think there is also an opportunity through talking about this in common terms that people come to their own discovery and they, they come through their own evolution of understanding what that is. I guarantee you, if you search long enough, you're going to find the yes. answer to what fills that hole. You know, you you come, you have described to me that your disposition in the corporate world is to really help people define their individual purpose. Yes, 
How, how, how did you get to that? How did you, were you always that way? Um, I, I think, uh, it's an evolution over time. The, the more, uh, overt I get about it because the more important I see it as the, the number one driver to what allows us to be creative, mm-hmm. what allows us to do things bigger than ourselves together is by knowing yourself first before you show up mm-hmm. and, and stand there next to somebody else. And it's the only way you can measure is the purpose of this organization, something that I want to apply myself to and be a part of. Yeah. If I don't know who I am and I don't know what I stand for, yeah. then how can I... How do I connect to all this? Yeah, yeah. Defining self, very important. So y- you've had some people lead you in your life. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell us a little bit about some leadership that has impacted you and, and why and who? And- yeah, I think you asked me the other day, mm-hmm. you know, what's the, who is the person? And yeah. I don't think there is, there's one, one person that yep. I could point to. There's a, a lot of different situations. And, uh, you know, if I think about leaders that have had huge impact on me, uh, it won't come without surprise. My father is probably one of those yeah. greatest well, that's impacts. Great. Um, uh, my dad's gone now, uh, mm. but he raised four boys and he raised very independent thinkers. And yeah. uh, if you're from the outside, you might see some of those conversations and think, well, wow, that's a little heated. Okay. Uh, Passionate. Yes. Uh, and challenge you to, to take a position, stand up and think about your position and why. Um, and I think that's probably one of the, the greatest um, things he left me with is that you knowing yourself and understanding why you stand for something is, is just as important as the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Mm. That, I mean, that sounds to me like what you do yeah, or what you did at cover my meds. I mean, yeah. who we are, why we're here, that, that is just as important as what we're about to go do. Yes. And it's going to inform the process. It's going to, give direction for every step to take. Yeah. Now I'll say one thing I learned since then, and you know, no, none of us are perfect. I'm, right. I'm part of that too. Uh, and, and becoming better every day. Yeah. Uh, my dad was really good at telling you what the answer was to and how to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, there's times where it got pretty heated because his way was the only way to get there. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, and I think that one of the things I've, I've learned over the years is that there are many ways to get to the, the final solution. Yes. And the more opportunity that we can offer as leaders of saying why something needs to be done, but leaving the what and the how up to those that you're inviting into the party yeah. to be a part of it, Yeah. Uh, the more leadership you create. Yeah, you got to give people the authority, you got to give people the direction. But if you tell them how to do everything, they're not going to do it the way you would do it. Nope. Never. You know? And they're not going to learn their own, own way way of getting there. Yeah. Too, yeah. I mean, that, the, the basic little thing I learned with, with my team is like, you just, you do have to have the clear goal. You have to have a clear, you know, disposition. This is how we behave. We treat one another. We, we act, but I'm not going to tell you how to do this job. Here's the job. Yeah. You go do it however you want. Uh, you know, it's like delegation. I, and to me, I always talk about one of the biggest things of real leadership is delegation. You know, the ability to kind of offload and hand projects, do what only you can do. If you can do it and you're the only one that can do it, you're probably doing the right thing. Mm. If, if, if someone else 
on your team in your life can do that, then you're wasting your time in terms of organizational mission. I can do this. And a lot of leaders will struggle with that. You know, well, I'm just, it's faster. It's more work for me to hand it off than it is, you know, to just, uh, just do it myself. Yeah. But delegation is to me about here's what you're going to do. And I don't really care how you do it. All these people need contacted. Yeah. It's, it's do it. However, makes most sense. You tell me how to do it. I don't know. The way I describe that is clarity versus certainty. Yeah. You know, you have to have clarity of vision. We have to clearly know where we're going in one year, three years, where that looks like, and you have to be able to describe it. Yeah. Uh, what will it look like? Yeah. What will it feel like yeah. when we get there? What yes. will success look yes. like and feel like? But we don't have to tell everyone exactly how, how get, we're going to get there. That's it. I, that's on it. a large level, I, I loved the analogy of the goal doesn't change, but the approach may change. That's right. So, so you know, if you're playing golf, you know, you you know the goal, you know where the pin is, you know what the idea is. But as you go, the approach might change. You know, I mean, you and sometimes you might hit like a hooded shot, keep it low under the wind. Sometimes you got to play it up against the wind. Sometimes you're going to bump and run and bump it up along the ground. But look, that's just approach. We're 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 going after the same thing, and that's what makes people great at golf yeah, is they change their approach every single time they hit a shot. They, they do what is necessary to, cause it's like, I'm going to drive it and we're going to drive it. Well, when you hit it into the, into the rough, you can't do that anymore. That's right. You got to change your approach. If but all the, you planned for was to be in the fairway, then you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. Yeah. I love that thought. I think it's important on a corporate level because you have to, some people, well, I want to know every single detail of how we're going to get there. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, to a level, here's a strategy. Here's this strategy. My plan is to hit a driver, hit it in the fairway, then hit a nine iron and hit it right next to the pin and put it in. That's what I'm planning on doing. Okay. Well, I hit it into the rough. So yeah. and I'm changing. I'm still trying to get it in the hole. But to people doing projects, you know, go do it. Do it however you want. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm going to tell you what I want to have done. And, you know, it's as silly as this. I know I'm so, how you take notes, how you take notes. I, I use my phone for everything. Mm -hmm. I have all my notes. I have thousands of notes. I mean, I, I put my phone by the shower so I can write a note while I'm in the shower because I don't want to forget it. That's the way my mind is. Mm -hmm. If I'm working out, it just comes to me. My wife takes all of her notes on a, on a, on a spiral, you know, notepad. Right. And she's got, a she has a computer. She has a phone. She has a spiral notepad and a paper calendar. Wow. That's how, and I'm like, but she's, her business is growing and she's making yeah. it happen. And she's got tons of clients and she's doing all that. And I'm like, how do you, how do you, but Hey man, if you're, you know, but I will say though, that, that when you get into that, sometimes with younger leaders or whatever, I'll say, I'm not going to tell you how to do that. You can do it however you want. If you want some ideas, I got some ideas, mm -hmm. you know, it's like with my kid, Hey, cut the grass. <laughs> You, know, you can you, do it however you want, but I'm going to give you a couple of things you, you really need to make sure you do. Otherwise, you're going to regress tremendously. Yeah, you, you're, you're getting into one of the subjects that uh, is, I think, pivotal for me. 
uh, and a learning that I've had over the last 20 years around situational leadership. Yeah. Uh, Kim Blanchard's uh, uh, yeah. book and approach is we can't be the leader that we want to be or that we've got the natural propensity to be. We have to be the leader that the person needs us mm. to be. And, you know, it's easy to start getting that at the beginning and go, oh, well, that person's new, so they need a different kind of leader than this person over here who has been in their job for 20 years. They need a different type of leader. So mm. I got to be situationally different for those two. That's a starting point. Uh, where it really finishes is, guess what? Each of those people uh, are in different situations every day. Yeah. And some of them fall right within the wheelhouse of what they know, understand, and have knowledge and capability to deal with. And others are brand new. Mm. And so you can't go to the person who's learning how to water ski for the first time today and say, great job. You've been at this for 20 years. Go get them. Mm. Right. That's not the that's not the leadership yeah. style they need, yeah. even though they may have been with you for a period of time. And you, you're saying that you you that clicked for you. And so kind of an individual take to the different people that you're leading based on what they need. It's yeah, it's not person level. It's even down at the next level as situation, situation by situation. Mm. So. Uh, one of the things I've taken on in, in my one-on-ones and, and doc, you know, ways of having a conversation with uh, an employee or a leader is you tell me. When, you're, when we're getting ready to talk about your priorities, where are you with each of those? Mm. In, in, uh, are you in the learning stage where you need more directive? You're, you're asking me specifically to say, right. tell me how to do this. Right. Or are you in the, the stage where you've, you've got it figured out. You're just wanting me to know uh, where things are and let me be aware of how you're taking your next step so that I can show up as the leader you need in that time. Now, it does one more thing yeah. beyond that. It, it, it lets me show up as the right leader for you, but it also lets me assess how are you doing with understanding the situation you're in. Understand the situation you're in, because yeah. I need to know what you know before I can give you any insights. Two, two things that that makes me think of with the strengths finder is is that... I remember learning that, uh, I don't remember, I, I, the relator seems like a great thing for managing and having a plurality of relations. That makes sense to me because the goal is so organic. Mm -hmm. I want to care about you and you're not you and this, they're all different people. So you move into those spaces based upon what's required for that interaction. That makes a lot of sense for management because even the, the concept you might be able to apply to, um, uh, to the situation as well, not mm -hmm. just the person, but it's like, I get it. This is different. This is different. This is different. And I can move into it in a, in a, in a different way. Um, one of the strengths that was best for management on the strengths finder is called individuality. Hmm. Uh, and and it, it's the person that can look at every situation very in a unique fashion and press levers that are totally different in everyone based upon the person in, in the, in the interaction. And in the book, it talks about the best hotel managers. It might've been for uh, whatever Hilton, there might've mm -hmm. been some kind of assessment that they do every year of who are the best managers and the best managers of all the Hilton hotels uh, had this, this gift in their top five individuality where, so, um, the person that wasn't, you know, you have a, a person that's a, a leader and, and they have a grid and this is what we're doing. We're changing beds over the, you know, checkouts at noon. They have to be done by two and check in mm -hmm. is at three. That's what happens. If you don't fit into that as a human, 
and do what that requires, you're out. And anyone that had that uh, that approach had a lower um, retention rate for employees, had l- worse results in terms of of getting things done on time. The best managers, and they they actually interviewed the best manager, and the way that he was is he talked about five different employees. One that liked to, to get everything done right on time. One that liked to take their time and talk to a lot of people. Mm. One that uh, literally would come late to work, but still worked faster than all the other mm-hmm. ones. And the fact that he, he just made it, look, these rooms have to be done by this time. You can do it however you want. If you need to sleep in a little bit, Hey, okay, sleep, whatever. You, the room needs to be done by this time. So some people, he didn't make everybody come in on time. He didn't tell everybody how to do this and that. It just, that's your mm-hmm. objective. Mm-hmm. And every person got to fill it out the way they wanted to. And those were the highest, he was, was the highest performing on turning over uh, rooms and not turning over yeah. employees. Yeah. I, I find that kind of, a, that's a difficult thing to understand it takes time because you want to, I don't know. It probably doesn't work in the army. Yeah. I think, I think what you're describing is knowing what you're looking for in, in the role Mm -hmm. or the, 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 the project or Mm -hmm. the job that needs to be filled and then not forcing how aligning, aligning people with that for success. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the, the cool things about strengths is, just like anything else in life, uh, it's good in in moderation and used yeah, appropriately. Right, uh, we can overuse our strengths yes. uh, just as easy as we can underuse them, and we need to focus on knowing where those God given talents are and leveraging them well without over leveraging them, uh, and then also uh, using that to accentuate our best self. Yeah. And you're building teams around those so that you're not asking everybody to do the, the exact same thing, but you're asking them to, to show up, use their talents and capabilities in the best way they can. Did you ever have anybody take the strengths finder, get their results and be really disappointed? I No. No? No, because uh, you're, the, the strengths that you have, the talents and capabilities that you have, don't determine whether you can or can't do a job. Right, do a job, yeah. Right, they're, they're how you're going to go about it mm-hmm. and what's going to be the best way for you to mm. uh, show up and, and be a part of a team. So and, if somebody did come and say, oh man, I didn't know this was me and I want to be somebody else, and then it was about, you, you reorient them. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's uh, ironically enough when when one of those tools is uh developed i mean and Alan strengths finder was developed with gallup, gallup and yep. you know millions of people behind yep. that study yep, yep. And in fact to the level where they they've said that if you took that uh, at 11 years old and you took it again when you were 25 or 30 the majority of what you said then will still be the same wow yeah that's yeah it's and big. so i uh, i think the discovery typically what i find is that when people look at those they don't find them to be truly different than what they thought about themselves. Yeah, uh, I had one case where I, a guy that I was working with, this was like 15 years ago, took the strengths finder and he was just trying to figure out who he was and he wanted to be, you know, a communicator. Mm. He wanted to be a lead pastor. He wanted to be a preacher 
and he took the strengths finder and none of his strengths were the the typical strengths finder strengths that represent mm-hmm. you know creative communication or command mm-hmm. or you know whatever woo a lot of woo people are are that you know his were all these other things and i it was an interesting thing i was i was young at the time i was new to it but like what i found myself telling him is like like man it's okay that's right like it it's okay that this is you and this is great I didn't have the level that you just added, which I wish I would have had. I didn't have that sophistication to it. I wish I would have said to him, hey, just because one of your strengths is belief, not any of these quintessential, you know, communicator. Everybody wants to be the lead pastor. Everybody thinks that means that, you know, that you're the thing. It's just so not true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're so, it's just not true. Careful what you wish for. I mean, it's just not the case. But you know, think uh, you th- you think, hey, that's the at the church that guy's in charge, so that must mean that doing that is the most important thing that can yeah. be done. And it's a sad way of looking at things. So you go, no, man, everything you do, this is your strength. You're going to add value to the world by developing these things. Uh, part of the strength finder is, you know, if you're a seven, right? It's one to ten. Mm-hmm. So if you're a natural two. The whole idea, this was the the bombshell for a lot of people. If you're a natural two at woo, if you work really, really hard at it, you'll you'll only ever be a five. You're not gonna be a really good at winning people over. So develop your strengths, not your weaknesses. That's right. I mean, and and those are within us from the beginning. I think Michael Jordan's one of the great examples yep. used. Yep. Um, if you look at his his pro career in basketball, phenomenal. Right. I mean, was he capable of playing baseball? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually people give him a hard time, but actually what he did and the amount of time that he did was way above average. Right. Not his batting average, his progress for the little amount of time that he spent playing baseball was far beyond anyone else that would put themselves into that type Mm -hmm. of, of work. But we would go ahead. But when he, when he was in his swim lane, yes, yes. Boy, was it amazing. Yes. Right. Oh Yeah. And so that, I think that's the whole point is us, us trying to go through that discovery in life earlier rather than later yeah. to figure out where those, where those yeah. swim lanes are for us. I find too, that was an exception. Most people, they read that thing and they go, okay. Cause I, like, I remember one of the things about, it's not field specific. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a gift. You can apply it to any field. Yeah. You know, you can you can apply it to any type of scenario or whatever. I found it to be mostly really, really freeing for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fun thing to do. The other one is the Enneagram. I think I mentioned that to you. That's one you got to look at. Yeah. That one is a great, when you, I love what you said about those types of tools though. They give people common language. That's it. Communicate. And that's so interesting because the way that I described them until you said that is it helps you know who you are. It helps you know who they are so that you can, you know, you can do life better, mm-hmm. which is not exactly as clear as what you said. It's a tool to help us communicate better so we can accomplish more. I love that. I love that. Well, David, is there anything else you want to share about leadership or just any other thoughts you have that you want to share? Well, you know, your audience here is like most 514 church people. Yeah. um, You know, I I, I think we're we're in a world where we, we are focused on achievement right mm-hmm. i mean it's it's around us every every corner and 
uh, we're always looking for the self-help book or the, the secret uh, tip to success that's going to allow us to, to be successful. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of conversation right now around authenticity, too, and what, yeah. it, what does it mean? Yeah. Um, we are each uniquely and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are given a set of talents that yes. are in us from the beginning. Um, it, is, it is in our best interest— and it is in our, ability, our best ability to have an impact here when we just focus on being authentically who we are. Yeah. And there's a cry for that right now. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I would say show up, uh, whether you're in the marketplace or whether you're in a relationship with someone uh, in your family or yeah. your kids and be vulnerable enough to be who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Don't be inhibited. Yeah, and if and if you're finding yourself, you know, hitting a wall, you, you maybe you don't even know that you're not being yourself. Mm. A lot of people putting on the facade, living in that anxious state of trying to measure up, trying to say the right thing, trying to trying to trying to trying to just constantly the wheels turning, and you and you don't know what that is. Do the work. That's right. That's Go to right. counseling. Ask God to show you some things. Call it out. You know, that's one of the big things. Yeah. Call it out. I, you know. Yeah. Be, be yourself is not the ticket to be a slug. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and to not worry about improving. Exactly. Yes. I find that so, so important to make the distinction. Be authentic. Okay, I'm going to do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Right. Because that's not that. There's, you, you're not supposed to just do whatever you want. Right. So whether you're authentic or not, that's not okay. <laughs> you but, have to yeah. grow. You have to get better. And part of it is is being able to be authentic, but you can't do that without knowing yourself, figuring that stuff out. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. I learned a lot. Um, also with David. David, uh, after being at the church for a year, he's on the board here at 514 Church, adding wisdom and perspective for all kinds of things and uh, um, the organization and the finances of the church. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, pleasure, Joel. And, it's, um, a, it's an incredible staff. I, I, I got I to gotta take two seconds and give it. some gratitude for last night's uh, worship service. Yes. Wow. Last night we had a worship service here at the church on a Wednesday night. Yeah, the, the team's amazing. If you haven't had a chance to check out the, the latest cut. Yep. Uh, what an amazing group of uh, talented folks that we have here. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and the freedom, Joel, for them to actually uh, operate within their mm-hmm. strengths. Yes. Big deal in church, you know, to say we're going to have people with real talent and pipes and ability to lead and do what they do. It just kind of makes everything else go away. It really takes you to a place of worship. Yeah. that That's part of what you know, does that when something's done with excellence, it, it becomes transcendent. It help it helps you so you can go where they're trying to lead you to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. And Joel, thank you for your leadership. Abs- too. Absolutely. Thank you, David. I've learned a lot from you and look forward to learning more. Thank you, uh, everyone that's listening. This is The Rest and we'll see you soon. <laughs>